Hello and welcome to this week's Why Football podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokwu. This week, Eches will be talking all about the links between dementia and heading footballs in the modern game. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore for our latest content. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and new for this week, YouTube, for immediate access to future episodes. Etches, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Trident. Also, how exciting is that YouTube added to the list? For Came a long way. We, we have come a long way indeed. Back from the days when it was just uh, Spotify and formerly SoundCloud, which has uh, mm. you know, been, la- been laid to rest. To now have uh, YouTube on there is, is pretty good. Uh, so it'd be good to see the episode on there. I'm well, thank you, Dryden. Um, not much to report, obviously, with the lockdown happening. But um, I think I dropped a poll on Twitter a few days ago. You did. Which was, you did. Should Mauricio Pochettino take over at Man United? Where would you stand on that one? Um, well, there's been a lot of talk recently in the press about Solskjaer and whether or not he should stay. Obviously, Mourinho got a lot of criticism in his time at United because United tend to spend a lot of money on players as do a lot of Premier League clubs and their results on the pitch and the league table in recent years have not properly matched up to the amount they've spent and where the club should be has been historically. Um, is Mauricio Pochettino coming in going to change their fortunes in the short term? Probably not, but he did build a bit of a dynasty at Tottenham. They didn't have too much um, domestic success in terms of silverware, but he transformed the team and arguably the club um, into what they are today, which is a completely different outfit to the one that perhaps, you know, we saw Redknapp manage and um, Juan de Ramos and uh, some of them predecessors. How about you, Etches? What do you think? As an Arsenal fan, no, because I want to see Man United struggle for as long as possible uh, for the greater good of Manchester United fans and for their former success and heights. Yes, because I don't think, as funny as hashtag Oli at the wheel is, I don't think he's a, the right man to <laughs> steer them forward. How are you, Jordan? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I bought my first um, pay-per-view game last night, uh, Brighton versus Burnley. It was a, a nil-nil draw, so well worth the £15. It's been quite controversial in the press recently about whether or not we should be charging or Premier League clubs should be charging additional monies on top of the Sky and BT packages to watch fixtures. Um, I think it should be free ahead of that because you know <laughs> the league has already squeezed out uh, so much money from fans as it is, never mind the additional amounts on top of that during lockdown and when you know people have arguably less money. So, yeah, and aside from that, I turn 27 on Wednesday, so an absolutely terrible time to have a birthday. Um, and just you know, not getting any younger, so it's just a bit of a depressing time. 27, mm, yeah, wrong, wow. wrong, so for, wrong side of 25, yeah, yeah, indeed. So, for your birthday, can you ask for some new trainers? Your trainer games, I've actually week. ordered some new trainers actually. Uh, <laughs> they arrive on Monday so uh, if anyone wants to see a picture of them please let me know I will send them a DM with a thank you message no, thank God for that <laughs> good. it's good to hear so which is why this topic sad passing of Nobby Styles one of the 66 heroes loads of media outlets did a lot to shine on his achievements in the game and how much he did and all of the positive uh, things that he, he did so David Beckham came out as well as um, Gary Neville to talk about that and said how influential he was for them. But there is a worrying number of England's famous 66 winners to have succumbed to brain conditions such as dementia and memory loss. 
uh, with some of the footballers also having conditions like CTE. Mm. To, to go into more details, from that victorious World Cup winning squad, five members are known to have had some form of brain condition with Jack Carlton, Jack Charlton, sorry, who unfortunately is no longer with us, Nobby Styles, Martin Peters, Bobby Charlton and Ray Wilson, all known to be suffering from dementia when they're alive or currently now. Styles' son, in an interview with the ABC, claimed that those five were one of many in the actual squad who are suffering from some form of actual brain condition, which is an alarming mm, number of yeah. people and it's much higher than the average population. I think it's one of those things where uh, a lot of pros then and scientists have associated these brain conditions to heading footballs, which back then were much firmer and tougher than the modern football. However, you know, it, it doesn't really work that way because we still in today's game have children as young as six heading footballs. And even though the footballs are much lighter there's a worry that, you know, that constant repetition is potentially damaging those people uh, when, as they grow up and can mm. lead to conditions further down the line. Science says that the human skull is not fully developed in children to the age of 20. And there's a belief that, you know, constantly heading balls can hamper the brain's development. So I wanted to do a podcast looking at the risks of heading footballs and looking to see whether players are in fact safe. I mean, football in England and the world has changed uh, drastically, probably from the, the mid-20th century. I mean, in England, the idea of the, the position of maximum opportunity um, was popularised um, by Charles Hughes, um, former director of coaching for the, the FA. This idea involved getting the ball in the penalty area as quickly and as frequently as possible. So, that would often be done airily, so the ball would be put into the box. There'd be a lot of players in the box who'd be contending for that ball, which leads to a lot of physical activity. It leads to a lot of heading, um, which is fundamental in the game and has been fundamental in the game for a number of years and more so in the past. Um, however, now, even in England, you'd say youth fo football focuses far more on technical attributes, small-sided matches and less physical elements of the game. So hopefully this helps mitigate the risk to youth that you rightly mentioned um professional football is also probably far less aerial and physical than it once was um albeit football philosophies do change frequently and who knows dice ball could return to the top once again so what actually is dementia yeah dementia describes different brain disorders that trigger a loss of brain function that that's straight from wikipedia that one so uh, <laughs> that's that's my fun fact from uh, from there. So these conditions are usually progressive and eventually become quite severe. So Alzheimer's disease, which is uh, you know mentioned quite a lot, is the most common type of dementia, which affects roughly fifty to seventy five percent of those people who are diagnosed. There are other types as well, like vascular dementia and frontotemporal dementia as well. And some of the symptoms of dementia include memory loss, confusion problems with speech and understanding and unfortunately dementia is a terminal condition mm. i mean almost all of us have friends or family um who are directly affected by dementia or know someone who is um it's affected various elderly members of my family over the years and um as we get older and as the population gets older and people live longer it's actually something that is you know becoming more of a, a factor more of an issue in the health system which is a sad and a cruel fact and i think one that we actually might see more prominent in ex-footballers as well. So what do we know about dementia and footballers? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, currently, we don't know a great deal, but a recent report back in October 2019 
states that footballers are 3.5 times more likely to have dementia compared to the general population, which is such a headline mm. statement yeah. and a very worrying statistic. Uh, back in 2002, former West Brom striker Jeff Assel died at 59 and was known to be suffering from early onset dementia. During his playing days, Assel was known to be an exceptional header of the ball and scored many headed goals. However, once his playing days were over, he was diagnosed with dementia and would later die. The coroner said in his report that minor repeated traumas to the head had caused his death. A re-examination of his brain in 2014 actually found that he had CTE, which is a brain condition normally linked to boxing and other physical contact sports. It's quite worrying to hear something like that because CTE, to get CTE in a sport like football really is um, astonishing. Mm. Um, in the popular documentary series, looking into the death of Aaron Hernandez, it was on Netflix. Uh, then if you watched it, um, he had that. Um, and at the time of his death, he was uh, severely suffering from it, which meant that he was having bouts of psychosis and impulsive mm. behavior. But, you know, NFL is a very a highly physical sport as are sports like boxing and NFL and rugby. So for it to be present in a former footballer is uh, very concerning indeed. Even for players such as Bobby Charlton, you know, who very recently revealed his condition that he has dementia. He wasn't known throughout the game to be a massive header of the ball. But obviously for him to use that action consistently throughout the years, even though it may be a lot less than some of his counterparts, it's sad to see that obviously there may be a link between heading and in fact these type of conditions. Yeah, I wasn't aware that Bobby actually has suffered or does suffer from, from dementia. I know it was something that affected his brother Jack, his late brother Jack, and has affected a lot of that 66 team, but that's, that's certainly news to me. Yeah, it's something which came up really, really recently. I think there is a documentary being released and his family felt it was okay for the public to know um, so hopefully, mm. um, obviously it's terminal illness, but it's it's unfortunate that that's happened to him. I think it's also difficult to just draw conclusions and say heading equals dementia. Yeah. You know, it's also worth noting that that squad back then were heading much heavier footballs, which when they got wet, got even heavier. So, you know, how can you compare that to today's game? You know, in today's game, balls are much lighter. So it's it's is the risk of heading and dementia solely for that era or is the risk still heading, uh, still relevant today? And as I just touched on before, you know, it's not solely to do with heading, you know, there are other factors as well. So are they smokers? Yep. Are they drinking too much alcohol? Are they overweight? There's loads of other factors which actually, you know, dictate whether someone can develop that condition or not. Yeah, and if you apply the logic around the, the weight of the ball, um, the hardness of the ball that you just touched on. And then you apply that to say the modern footballer whose diet is absolutely completely different to what it would have been in the 60s or the 70s or even the 80s, where now is a complete, the body of a professional footballer is under the microscope and is fine-tuned in all aspects to produce elite performance um, on the pitch. So, you know, will we see, you know, Man City are pioneers in um, physiology and diet in the game in the Premier League? Will we see Premier League players some of the defenders for Manchester City, for example, will, you know, in 50 years' time, will they be, or 40 years' time, will they suffer from these sort of illnesses, these sort of afflictions? Um, it's not so certain, but there's so many variables, um, like you say. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's this massive unknown. 
you know, the effects take such a long time for them to show up. And the game, as you said, is rightly changing. So we've gone from changing footballs to then we started changing diet, as you said. And diet will probably change some more and footballs will change some more. So is it something which was specifically for that era, which isn't really as relevant now? Or is the risk still there? You know, only time will really tell. Mm. So how have nations reacted to growing concerns? Yeah, so some nations have taken the this report that came out very seriously and other reports in the past. Uh, this year, Scotland became the first European country to ban heading for under-12s in mm. Europe, citing that scientific evidence was one of the main reasons for this change. So the SFA stated that a report highlighted that players that were heading old-style footballs could be more at risk from the disease. But based off the information, they've still decided to impose the ban for under-12s, which I find interesting because what you're basically saying is, okay, there's a link between old-style footballs and heading uh, to dementia, but you know, there's still that grey area over what does that mean for today's footballers? Yeah. Um, you know, does that then mean is the risk is the risk even higher because the football the football may be lighter, but you know, let's say you head it with more power or something. Does you know it is interesting that they opted to do that, and also why under twelves, uh, one under thirteens, fourteens, fifteens, it's um, a really interesting move from Scotland, mm. and it'd be interesting to see what other countries do in the near future. Absolutely. Former Spurs and England midfielder Ryan Mason, who was forced to retire from a skull fracture he sustained in a clash of heads, suggested that youth players should use sponge balls rather than actual <laughs> balls to practice heading technique, which is an interesting proposition. <laughs> you, you know what that reminds you of? Did you ever do Cubs when you were yes. younger? Yes, like yeah, beavers? I did. You had a bit of beavers. Yeah. <laughs> you always used to play with sponge uh, balls. The worst ones were those tennis, them giant tennis ball footballs. They were just so great to yeah, play with. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. play with a sponge ball <laughs> because at least you can... <laughs> giant balls and the thing was they were terrible for kicking with but they're also solid so they're probably harder than a football but yeah it is an interesting proposition but I'm not too sure that'll become mainstream firstly because how does that work for academies using sponge balls outside but you know we'll Ooh. wait and see how that how that one goes um, the PFA have also called for restrictions on young players heading footballs until more is known about the long term health risks of the action which is interesting Professionals on brain interest, brain injuries, sorry, have also chipped in into the debate with one of the world's leading expert on brain injuries, Dr. Bennett Amulu, recently saying he thought heading a football should be restricted into professional game and banned for under 18s. That's mm. a long time. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a very long it's time. It's a tough one because if you ban heading in the game for under 18s, it's just going to face heading, heading out of the game. And I've not uh, got any strong opinions to it for or against whether or not it's a completely separate argument. But it's probably a separate topic is whether or not heading should be banned from the game and to an extent um, and whether the game could exist without it. But if you, if someone grows up learning to play the game, plays football and doesn't head of the ball in a competitive game or in any fixture until they're 18, unless it's a sponge ball in training, it's just going to come out of the game. They're not going to start heading the ball in competitive games, are they? <laughs> the, the, the way they behave as players is going to be completely... And maybe, maybe, that'll prov- maybe that'll provide a better game. Maybe it'll provide a quicker, um, more technical game. Who knows? I'm not really arguing we should have no heading in the game, but I just think with that sort of implementation, it's just going to face heading out of the game and the, probably the complete physical side of it, which a lot of people do enjoy. Yeah, Jerome, you're very pro-long ball football, aren't you? No, I'm, I've just, I'm trying to ban heading, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I talked about Deich ball earlier in the podcast. I'm a you know, big fan. But no, um, I mean, watching Deich last night at Brighton versus Burnley, they are still very much... 
they do very much still play kind of a long ball, kind of well, get the ball to the strike of quite early doors in the air. And uh, some teams do still play with it, still do enjoy and do still uh, play with direct forms of the game. And um, so removing the aerial, kind of almost the aerial ball, is is that even going to be possible? Probably not. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, moving back on to uh, how people have responded in the game, the US have also put in a ban on heading since 2015, where under 11s can't head footballs mm. with restrictions on under 13s. I actually couldn't find what the restriction is. So, so, so under 11s can't like full stop, but under 13s there's restrictions. So, what is it? You can't head the ball if it's what like. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll put a, a, a stop to, which I'm very much in favour of. Is you know when you play used to play in the park or used to even just play at school and, you know, someone would um, go around the keeper and get on the floor and head the ball over the line from the floor. I know it's not an aerial <laughs> challenge, but that needs to stop. And so if that is involved in these restrictions, then, you know, I will completely welcome it. <laughs> Someone's done that to you in the past, haven't they? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, um, aside from all of this, the English FA don't currently believe there's enough evidence to suggest banning heading would actually benefit players' well-being. The Football Association have actually said it's committed to researching and examining all areas of head injuries in the game, including the long-term effects on players. An FA spokesperson actually said, we have commissioned comprehensive and rigorous research studies in this area in collaboration with the Drake Foundation and the PFA, which are currently ongoing. These studies will help us establish whether or not there are any risks associating with playing football. Well, I feel as if any sort of approach to this, and it's difficult. I, I know it's a huge sport with a lot of different governing bodies across the world, but you think it needs to be a unified FIFA initiative across the globe because, I mean, A, you've got the safety of kids, of the professionals, um, and also those that are retirees. But then obviously the, the way in which you alter youth football obviously has an effect on different nations and how they're brought up playing football. So if you've got, you know, if, if it's some extreme... Um, measures brought in where under 18s can hit the ball in a certain country, for example, but in another country it was under 11s. Well, that's going to have a profound effect on how you know the football develops in both them countries. So I feel as if it needs to be kind of a uniform approach um, across the board, which again is difficult, but I think FIFA needs to lead. And it doesn't necessarily surprise me as well that the FA aren't um, basically coming out with, and I imagine the Premier League would also be a, a governing body that would, um, or an organisation that would be probably hesitant to be uh, to make any sort of comment on this because changing the game as it is can be quite unpopular. See what happened with VAR and for the FA and the Premier League, for them it's largely about protecting the game as it is, protecting, protecting the Premier League, protecting investment. Yeah, I think the problem with a FIFA-led initiative is it's not a priority, is it? There's the, the, I've always find with something like this, because of the length of time it takes for it to appear in certain footballers, people just don't care enough you know some of these great heroes that we're talking about aren't relevant anymore they're not important they're no longer assets yep. no agree you know bobby charlton is arguably one of england's greatest ever players but he's no he's no longer the asset if wayne rooney decided came down tomorrow and had dementia there'd be a huge uproar because he is still an asset he's not as valuable as he once was but he's still very important in, in you know uh media's media's eyeline whereas i think for those guys that are old, they're retired, you know, people put it down to old age and other factors. So they're kind of forgotten about. So FIFA kind of just see it in the backlog. I think their main aim is to deliver World Cups and obviously to look at VAR and mm. changing rules and that sort of stuff. 
and it's a shame, but this the focus needs to be on that because we're talking about the well-being of human beings, whether they're assets or not. It's still really important to kind of get to the bottom of it, um, and you know, to see where it shapes the game. We we, we talk about dodgeball before. <laughs> that, that will, uh, sorry, Sean Dyche, in case he ever tunes in, but he it is a style of football which isn't particularly popular or pleasing on the eye, but it will always exist. Mm. It always will do. It may not, it may not exist anymore in the top flight, but it will further down and on vice versa. It may have its heyday coming back in 20 or 30 years time, you know, football goes in cycles. So this whole heading business with dementia is quite tricky because I, I I just can't see a scenario where if we ban heading for under 18s, you know, heading could go out of the game. And I think there are too many people that, wouldn't want to see that. Mm, no, agreed. Either way, a solution needs to be found or some kind of restriction. I think it's clear that um, it's clear that there is a link. Otherwise, nations like Scotland wouldn't be putting in these, these sort of restrictions. So, on that note, Etches, what new studies are underway in this particular field? Well, the University of East Anglia, which you and I know very well. Mm. Uh, uh, for those of you that don't know, me and Dryden both studied. Uh, at the University of East Anglia and they're currently looking into the cognitive changes that occur due to concussions and head injuries in former footballers. Mm. Uh, The university stated that recent research has highlighted an increased risk in dementia in ex-professional footballers but at the moment we don't know what this cause of association is. It's not currently very clear. So it's quite interesting how they're trying to do some research looking into that, uh, trying to answer those unanswered questions currently. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that, that uh, study goes. I think that started in January. Uh, there have been calls for the FA to get involved to help fund the study, but it's unclear whether they actually have. Uh, you know, the landmark study I, I mentioned to you before was only released in October last year. Mm. Obviously, from October to now, we've hit a massive pandemic. Uh, which has probably halted a lot of these types of studies. And I expect more to kind of come up in the near future, especially as, you know, more and more of our old footballing heroes succumb to these conditions and illnesses. I think that the the general interest of the public will rise, the awareness will rise, and people will, you know, do more to try and get more studies up and going. I mean, I know I was sceptical earlier about the FA and Premier League and even FIFA in terms of how they can actually going to want to change the norm because currently they make a lot of money out of the game. But as you've, as you've highlighted there, I mean, actually finding an, a definitive link between football, how the game is played, heading the footballs and, you know, the onset of a condition um, years down the line, maybe it's in the future when we have a, a larger sample of data, bigger pool of people involved, um, you can start to make bigger links. But as you pointed out, it's almost impossible to make that link at this stage. So, you know, is acting now premature? Um, well, we don't know, don't know enough about it, um, or is it necessary? Where I think football is unique in this argument is that the head is actually used as a means of play. So it's in rugby, in you know NFL, the head is in contact all the time with people, but it's not actually a means of, say, making, making contact with the ball. It's not actually a recognised form of actually playing the game. Whereas in, in football, it is actually a fundamental part. If you're a centre-back, a fundamental part of your game is your ability to hit the football um, when it's, it's, it's coming down from the air at pace, when it's coming towards you at pace from someone's boot. If you're a striker, it's the same sort of thing, trying to hit it on goal, you're making contact with the goalkeeper, he's got his hands in around your head. Um, this is unique to the game. And so it, it might be something that needs to be prioritised in football. Um, and hopefully it can become a prior, um, a pioneer 
in it um, as we start to see uh, more and more um, ex-pros succumb to this illness. Just to kind of round things off, it's, it's, it's answering that question really, which is, is heading safe in the modern game? And looking at the research, it's, it's difficult question to to properly answer i think football is in a place where there's a general acceptance that there's a link between football and conditions like dementia but not enough evidence to suggest that the modern game needs more action clearly you know countries like scotland and the u.s think that more needs to be done to protect players but you know others are skeptical that you know these effects kind of uh, affect older players only and not the younger generations like England mm. they're, they're kind of in a way where they're thinking well you know we also believe there's a link but you know we need more research we need more evidence Ryan Mason you know you know as I mentioned earlier consistently has said that heading a ball at a young age can't be healthy and I think I mentioned at the very beginning that with the adult skull not fully forming until they're around at the age of 20 there is an argument where even though modern balls are lighter, it can't be healthy for six, seven, eight-year-olds to be heading a ball on a on a constant basis. And if those young players end up becoming the pros that we know today, like Calvert-Lewin, a fantastic header of the ball, you know, is his well-being, have we, have we protected him as best as we can? I think one thing football has done very well, in particular in England, have they been taking head injuries more seriously, especially with concussions? Yeah. Uh, you know, the protocols that have been brought in place have been fantastic. And most clubs have, you know, adhered to them. And there's been a few examples where some managers have tried to get around that, but generally it's been much better. But the same seriousness needs to be applied with the long-term health effects of head trauma, uh, such as dementia and Alzheimer's, etc. cetera. Um, and once football manages to do that, then I think we can really, really see some progress Um I think the issue comes down to time. You know, these studies take a very long time to actually look into, uh, you know, the likes of Shearer, Lineker, um, Gary Neville, maybe to a certain extent, it'd be interesting to see if those players be willing to take part in potential research. Mm. So we could kind of get to see how it affects more modern footballers. Um, but I think uh, if action is taken sooner than the well-being of future generations and generations after that, um, Will be much yeah, better. and on your point about again about the footballs, um, while yeah, footballs are lighter, the game is actually played at a far quicker pace than what it was back in back in those times or back in maybe the mid twentieth century. And also, players are striking the ball harder and are taught to strike the ball harder because techniques have came a long way. Um, you have coaches for individual elements of the game now. You have an attacking coach. You might have someone who's specialised in striking the striking of football, for example. I think there's a lot of variables here, but I think we shouldn't just look at the game now and think, well, these players are fitter, healthier. The mental state's perhaps better, um, the football's lighter, and just assume that because all these safety measures are are in and around that, that I know this is not an issue that will affect the modern player or the modern game. When in fact, you know, it, yes, on the line, they could reveal that actually it does. Right. Well, that's all from us. Um, thank you, Etches, for your insight there on dementia in the modern game. Um, I hope we see some breakthroughs in the near future. Um, and please, yeah, please tune in next week. And thank you all, guys, for for listening. Cheers. Cheers, guys.